Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Maricopa County to certify, Brazilian communist models election fraud solutions, protests over COVID tyranny in China, and is America becoming China? And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. Well, today, Monday, is the day, the last day legally in the state of Arizona that the counties are required by state law to certify the outcome of the election, this most recent November 8th election. Arizona been a hotbed around the country as, as we watch the outcome of the uh, 2022 midterms because many people just aren't buying it that Kerry Lake did not win the governor's race. Many, many good reasons to think that. And Maricopa County, where the largest controversy seems to have arisen, uh, was just mired in ridiculous impossibly uh, absurd irregularities, inaccuracies, delays, just just things that should never happen in a modern world. And Maricopa County has been, uh, has not yet certified and yet has been, has said they're going to do it by today. Um, They are responding to a requirement that they do that. They've also been pressured by the assistant um, uh, lieutenant governor in that state to push on that And I want to remind you of some of the reasons why this is so consequential. You know, the alleged victory of Joe Biden in Arizona in uh, the 2020 elections was by something like 10,000 votes. And many, many people found the outcome of the Arizona election to be very dubious for a whole variety of reasons. But now with the 2022 midterms, Kerry Lake's running for governor, same kind of phenomenon as Donald Trump, crowds everywhere, just just really a um, galvanizer for conservatives, a galvanizer really for a lot of people who were upset about the, two, the 2020 elections. So Kerry Lake allegedly lost a race for governor, And she lost it to the woman who's literally, I mean, if you could write a movie script for someone having a conflict of interest, she she allegedly, Carrie Lake, lost the governor's race to the Democrat currently serving as secretary of state, meaning in charge of elections, who would not recuse herself from that position. So Katie Hobbs is the secretary of state in charge of election integrity running in a state where widespread concerns about fraud are very legitimate and ongoing. And yet, and she's in charge of the race where she herself is seeking to become governor and, and overseeing the election where she allegedly beat Carrie Lake. And the, the, you know, the margin was really, really tiny. Much of the uh, trouble um, kind of brewing in Maricopa County, you know, ridiculously long lines, Machines that worked great the day before worked great all along and all of a sudden get to election day and in the overall turnout on election day, uh, there was just a, um, 
you know, a massive problem. The machines wouldn't accept the ballots. People were told, just put your ballot right here. We'll take care of it. No one trusts the election officials there, so no one wanted to do that. I mean, it was it was just a, an absurd day. And many people actually just on the ground protesters calling for a, basically a mulligan, you know, a do-over. We've got to do this over. So absurd. So Maricopa County has until today to whether or not they're going to uh, to decide whether or not they're going to certify. Other counties, at least four other counties, have either delayed their certification when they could have made it. One of them, all of them point to Maricopa County, kind of saying we, we hate to you know, certify this because of this absurdity in Maricopa County. But I want to layer in another factor I learned from Seth Keschel, who's been on this show many times. And this is really, you have to pay attention to realize how important and absurd this fact is. So he is the data guru guy, the statistics guy of the century. So Seth Keschel, and by the way, I got this from his Substack. You can you can um, subscribe to his Substack. I think it's skeschel at Substack.com. But he has a this uh, study he's done, and let me just lay this fact out, then I'll tell you why it's so important. In 18 states, 18 states won, in air quotes, by Joe Biden in 2020, those states were carried by the vote margin in one single county. Meaning if the entire state, you know, Biden allegedly won by 10,000 votes in one county, that 10,000 margin was enough to shift the entire state's tally to Joe Biden. The point being, these big counties have a massive impact on elections. Now, you might be thinking, well, yeah, because they have the most people. So, of course, they have the most impact. But that's not the right way to think about it. These counties, these large and and, uh, really Democrat-run counties... These are counties that have been targeted by the Soros operation for at least a decade and probably longer, where they work to put in people into the positions of power over the elections, people who will be friendly to the George Soros ongoing Marxist takedown of America. So you have the positions that Soros had met. In fact, George Soros sponsored Katie Hobbs. He funded Katie Hobbs, who is the Secretary of State in Arizona overseeing her own election to the governor's race in an in a, you know, election filled with just, just amazing, just unjustifiable irregularities and bizarre occurrences. So he, George Soros, funded her as well as people like district attorneys, county commissioner courts, or in the case of Maricopa County, they call them supervisors. Mega, it appears Maricopa County is mega corrupt. This George Soros operation of putting people in place in counties around the country who have the responsibility to count votes, make the judgment calls, enforce the rules or not enforce the rules. And these people funded and supported by George Soros are obviously going to be the people pushing for the left wing uh, of the political world in America. So, and this goes all the way down to magistrates. It just positions anywhere where you may not as a voter even bother going down that far in the ballot. So this other reason that George Soros and his accomplices in this world have been successful is because they push people, candidates, into positions most people aren't even really thinking about. Well, what does it matter what, who wins that race? Why do we care about that? So this is where we are in Arizona. Maricopa County has to either certify or not certify by today, announce or not certifying, um, and there's tremendous pressure on them. They keep claiming they've cleaned everything up, but the whole election of 20, the midterms of 2022, just 
especially in Arizona. They just reek of fraud and wrongdoing and much pressure by, you know, there have been lawsuits filed. And it isn't, by the way, it isn't just uh, Carrie Lake for governor, but it was also the uh, gentleman who was running for secretary of state um, named Okay, I'm going to make sure I say their names correctly. Uh, Fincham, um, who was, you know, outed or, or supposedly lost by a small margin as well. These are places where if you just, if you just forced paper ballots and hand counting, everyone would then be able to believe the outcome reported. But where we stand now, we have electronic voting machines allegedly malfunctioning, inexplicably malfunctioning, long lines, people giving up. They had to go to work. They couldn't hang around anymore. So Maricopa County and really a lot of the 2020 2020 midterm kind of hangs in balance because Carrie Lake ran, um, as did others, uh, and really on the... um, uh, among the most central things she ran on, besides saying she's going to enforce the border, she's going to close the Arizona border with Mexico, she ran on cleaning up election fraud. And the last thing that anyone manipulating elections in the United States of America wants is an articulate, passionate, dedicated, determined, high-energy candidate to win a prominent race uh, when they're running on the existence of the reality, the truth of election fraud and their determination to fix it. So it's a big, big deal in Arizona. Um, we'll find out. I'm going to guess at the end of the day, Maricopa County is going to certify because uh, if they don't, they're kind of admitting they didn't do their job. But it's a um, it is one of those things that even if they do certify and even if the entire election certified, even, even if the state tries to say, yep, all done, you know, it turns out Carrie Lake lost and Katie Hobbs. And again, the parallels with the Biden and Trump race, Katie Hobbs, much like Biden, didn't campaign. She didn't have rallies. She wouldn't do debates. She she can't speak when she is even caught quickly by any reporter, asked a quick question or two, you know, a, a just kind of a, a teeny bopper, silly, inconsequential demeanor. And as I say, holding the position she's holding as Secretary of State because she was funded by George Soros, the among the masterminds, along with Obama, with President Obama, of the ongoing takedown of America, Marxist takedown of America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I want to talk today, too, about what's happening in Brazil, because it kind of ties into what we're talking about uh, with respect to Arizona. So Brazil, as you know, had elections, um, and Bolsonaro was the president, and he was the incumbent. And Bolsonaro, to just shorthand it, Bolsonaro is kind of like the Trump of Brazil. He's a populist. The people love him. He holds big rallies. They show up and fill stadiums. They love the guy. He is as Trump was America first, Bolsonaro a Brazil first, believed in his people, tried to build up his people, their economy, their country to stand up for their, those people. Not a globalist, not a communist, not a leftist, a pro-Brazil guy. So Bolsonaro is running for re-election. And uh, again, same like Trump and Biden, you know, massive rallies for Bolsonaro. Uh, the other guy who ran and was uh, declared the victor um, is a someone who poses regularly and unapologetically in pictures with the uh, with Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping, excuse me, the the communist leader of China. So Brazil 
allegedly. And so the outcome reported was that this Luna guy won. And so uh, Bolsonaro uh, is, you know, not buying that, not too sure that really happened. And so he is try- has been trying, he and his party called the Liberal Party, that have been trying to challenge it. And it is very much the same as in America with Trump and, and as in Arizona with, um, with, Katie, with Carrie Lake. There's an effort by the voters to say, we know this outcome isn't true. I'm sorry, I don't think Brazil elected a CCP-affiliated leftist to be our president. And so they, the uh, battle goes on. So what happened, I want to t- tell you about how determined leftists are. I want to make sure I get the guy's name right. Okay, there's a Supreme Court justice. In fact, he's the head of the Supreme Court in the state of Brazil, uh, country Brazil. Supreme Court Judge Alejandra de Moraes, M-O-R-A-E-S. This guy, this guy is the head of the Supreme Court in Brazil, and he's a communist. I'm not calling him names. That's what he is. That's what, how he identifies. So he's a you know, he's a radical leftist. He's a communist. So he's on on the side, of course, uh, with the guy who was claimed to be the victor, and um, and so he's very very unhappy with the idea that this whole um, push by Bolsonaro by the Liberal Party to say we want to recount lots of things went wrong. This didn't happen. We don't buy it. And this Supreme Court justice is just outraged. He's just can't wait to shut down um, this opposition um, to the alleged uh, election of this leftist. And so getting around and telling what's happened now. So they, the, the uh, Liberal Party uh, is pursuing the challenge of the election. Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro is actually uh, participating in the transition. At the same time, he's also protesting the outcome, which I would actually say represents something like um, integrity or something like, you know, trying to be a statesman. But this Lula character who allegedly was elected, same thing like Biden, didn't really run a campaign. Nobody likes him. There's no big rally. There weren't, you know, the equivalent America rallies for Trump. That's what they have for Bolsonaro. Nothing for this guy, Lula. So the Supreme Court in Brazil, aggravated because Bolsonaro won't just sit down, shut up and take it, has actually engaged and now enter the order. They, they put words out originally threatening this. Now they've entered the order. They're fining the Liberal Party, which is Bolsonaro's party. And now it's the world liberal. He's the conservative. He's the Trump. Bolsonaro is like Trump of Brazil. Uh, he wanted to fine them. Um, $4.1 million, freeze their bank accounts, and investigate their chairman after, after the party presented their report into the massive electoral fraud in Brazil. It is the same thing happening in Arizona. It's the same thing happening in America. Every effort to present evidence of election fraud is mocked, ridiculed, shut down by the courts and by the news media. And so you have the people in Brazil feeling kind of helpless, feeling like, you know, what else can we do? We rallied for him. We showed up in the streets to support him. We came to his campaign events. We voted for him. You know, he's very popular. Brazil was doing great under this guy, under Bolsonaro. And all of a sudden you're telling us that this communist affiliated Lula, who likes to hang out with the CCP president, Xi Jinping, that our country picked him. 
the the parallels are, are really astonishing. And part of what's happening is the Supreme Court in Brazil did actually enter the order. They are freezing the assets, freezing the assets of the political party supporting Bolsonaro because they're saying, you know, well, you won't go along. You know, Bol Bolsonaro lost. Get over it. You know, become a communist. Sign right up with the communists. And and so I, I, I raise this story because it's an interesting parallel for three points. One is there is a massive effort in this world, a massive effort, a rejuvenated effort to uh, just as uh, rising from the slime of the swamp effort to push communism, to push totalitarianism, to push tyranny. The communist movement of this world, it's, you know, I always say in the show, it's like communist, Marxist, socialist, new world order, world economic forum, it's all one big thing. Just think of that as one big thing, one big effort. It is the effort of the, the people who engage in tyranny, who do not believe in the rights of the people to have representative government, who do not believe in the concepts of rights as we have them re represented in America, rights from God spelled out in our Declaration and Constitution. They just don't think those things exist. They think the purpose of government and the role of government is to control the people. It might be to take care of the people, kind of, and make sure, you know, that people have adequate housing and they aren't, you know, starving in the streets. But short of minimally taking care of the people, the, these leftists, these communists, their whole idea of governance and life is that there needs to be a ruling cabal that has most of the power. The peasants, the masses, the proletariat have no power and they control everything. And this is a movement now just, just has really taken on steam around the world. So in Brazil, as the example we're talking about right now, this is not just a somehow corrupt election because a few election officials, you know, made a mistake and didn't plug the machine in correctly or did something wrong with the ballots. This is seen by many in Brazil and around the world as just part of this lockstep effort to, to, to push up, to you know, rejuvenate communism and embolden people like the CCP president, Xi Jinping, the, the Chinese president, to embolden the communist agenda, to embolden the CCP's agenda around the world. This is seen as Brazil was just another little step along the way in the CCP's effort to take over, which they have... If you think I'm exaggerating, if you don't watch the show and don't know this, the CCP, the Communist Chinese Communist Party, very openly, regularly, without hesitation, has spelled out their agenda is to become the world's one superpower. It is to control the world. It is to spread communism. It is to spread, in particular, the control of the Chinese people. They are lockstep in line with a communist movement around this world. So the people in Brazil look around at their country doing great under Bolsonaro, just like America was doing great under Trump for his four years as president. And they just aren't buying it that the people of Brazil voted for Luna to be their new leader to literally take over this, this country that was doing so well under Bolsonaro. They're just not buying it. And so now, and then you have, in their case, the Supreme Court of the country willing to take down uh, and punish the political party who dares to challenge their authority. And that's what the Supreme Court justice is really doing, and has done. He has frozen the assets of his political opposition. And I'm raising this to get around to where we are today in America and why so many people are deeply, deeply concerned. Brazil is an example 
of what happens when you don't fight election fraud, when fraud has been normalized, as it apparently has been there, when the actual courts, the, the Supreme, the actual highest court of Brazil is punishing the political opposition of the allegedly elected leader who everyone knows didn't win the election and, and did not get the votes of the majority of the people of Brazil. And yet the people in Brazil kind of have nowhere to go with this. Who is going to help them? Not their own military, not their government. Their government is on board. Okay, communists take over here in Brazil. Great, we're for it. Luna can, or Lula, I'm sorry, I keep calling him Luna, is Lula can, you know, lock arms with the Chinese Communist Party. He's, all of his policies, even during the campaign, when people were talking about the two choices that, that it was down to for president of Brazil, many people were pointing out that Luna, Lula's policies, as spelled out, they're just collectivists, they're just Marxists, they're, they're just nothing like what, what um, the people of Brazil had, had seemed to want, nothing like what they were experiencing and enjoying under Bolsonaro. So, this notion of how important it is to stand up for election integrity, to challenge election fraud, to point out election fraud, to refuse to tolerate it, to keep pushing. Because I know there are people in our happy Republican Party who are saying, you know, Trump just needs to stop. He needs to get over this. He needs to stop doing this. You know, people are sick of it. But you, if you let it go, as there apparently is going to be forced upon the people of Brazil, then you're done. You don't have any ability to elect your leader. You have whoever the uh, powers we have decided, in this case, Lula in Brazil, this communist-affiliated leader in Brazil, is going to run your country. And all the people who didn't vote for it and the majority who didn't vote for it and don't want it have nowhere to go. So it's a, real, it's a time in the world why I say on the show so often, it's important that Carrie Lake continues to speak up. It's important that people, I, I'm, I'm sorry that people are tired of having Donald Trump talk about election fraud, but none, none of what, what uh, the fraud from 2020 got corrected legislatively. Courts wouldn't look at it. Courts wouldn't look at the, the, the underlying data. They wouldn't look at the reason people were bringing lawsuits challenging the state's various, uh, various states' certification of their outcome. They just wouldn't look at it. And in Brazil, they're at the point the Supreme Court is now saying, you aren't allowed to challenge the newly elected communist leader. So the opposition, which is the people who want freedom, the people who want you know, a robust economy and a government that cares about the people, looks out for their, those people have no voice and your political party actually has no money. So you're really stuck. So in America, there are lawful means to challenge. Carrie Lake is a hero to continue to challenge what's happening in Arizona, as is everyone around the country standing with her and standing with others, because we are in the crosshairs of the Chinese Communist Party. We, America, are just like Brazil was, just like many places in Central and South America, just like many places in, the, uh, in Eastern uh, Asia. The Chinese Communist Party is on a roll, and the Chinese, the, the communist ideology in this world is on a roll trying to resurrect itself from the, from the you know, pit where it should have been, always stayed and become, become a power and a thing again in this world. And the people who believe in ideas like America and its freedom and the founding ideas of America need to stand up and stay in the fight. We'll talk more about that. But it, it's just simply mind-blowing how parallel uh, Trump's election 2020 was, how Arizona uh, is right now, what's happening in Brazil. It is a freedom fighters 
versus people who are really fine to have the elections absolutely controlled by those who do not mean the idea of, who do not support the idea of, a freedom, of freedom, who do not believe in the idea of the rights of individual man, who do not believe you really have the right to do anything unless they've said you did. That is where the battle we're in. So in Brazil too, I cheer those people on. Not sure how that's all going to come out, um, but I cheer them on for challenging and demanding um, fair elections, demanding, uh, actually, I think at this point, they're just saying you have to have another election. There was, there was corruption with the machines down there, just like in Arizona, just like in 2020. I mean, it is just, the, the parallels are, are, are stunning. And the need to stand up for the idea of representative government and we the people being a sovereign and the rights of people to democratic elections uh, is vital. Okay, I want to hear something else that's going on and talk about just this uprising of freedom because paralleling all this rise of communism in this world, rise of Marxism, communism, socialism, is, uh, is happening in China and it surrounds COVID. So, and I, I'm, you know, these stories is interesting. I think the mainstream media in America is finally reporting these stories, but they weren't for a while. These protests went on kind of under the radar because there was too much about um, what was happening in uh, China that they weren't that excited about having Americans understand. So in China, they have begun to lock down. Um, they, they have, I mean, they do require the vaccines. I don't think you get to have a conscience, you know, religious exemption or something. You, you get a vaccine because they said you have to uh, for COVID. And they have the same deadly results related to COVID uh, that we've talked about many times in the show. But in China, uh, they also have lockdowns. And every time there's a, even a mild outbreak, they have, they have lockdowns. And the lockdowns mean, they don't just mean... Like in America, we were told, you know, please don't, uh, you know, don't go to the store unless you have to, you know, minimize your time out of the house. You know, some businesses were closed and some were open. In China, they mean they're locking the door on your apartment building. You can't get out. That's what they do, what they mean, what they say lockdown. So in China, there was a, is an ongoing COVID lockdown. And in the course of this COVID lockdown, um, a, a horrific thing occurred, uh, which is in one of these un unbelievable, massive high rises in China, massive high rises where, you know, thousands of people live and they're locked in by the government, literally cannot get out, locked in by the government. A fire broke out, a fire in this high rise complex. And so they have people trapped inside. I have a series of uh, little clips to show you because I want you. I want you to see how bad it got. But uh, the very first one, uh, yeah, this is the. Um, do we have these? Yes, we do. Okay, very first one uh, on November 23rd when the fire broke out. Okay, now unfortunately the commentary here is not in English, and so I ha I'm having play it. But what they're showing you is this is how the government has the doors locked, so the door so people couldn't get in. And it's not just, it's not just that the, see how he's showing you how hard, how firm that thing is. You can't get that door open. So people are trapped inside. The fire department couldn't get in because the government had locked these doors so people would stay in when they're told to. Obviously, I don't know all that, but there, wait, wait, go back. To, if you are able to go back to that picture of the high rise right there, if you can freeze him. That is what happened. A fire in this high rise. Uh, this reporter, this one very brave uh, reporter, Jennifer Zeng, um, is reporting on this through her um, tweets. And she reports says on November 23rd, this fire, 44 people were killed. 
44 people burned to death before they got the fire out. So they're having massive protests in China because they don't, they're sick of the lockdowns. They're, and then this out, outrage that the government would lock people in their buildings and they can't get out when the place is on fire. So there was there are a series of, I just want to show you all the protests going on. Uh, they're end, also having end the lockdown. These people are chanting in Chinese, so um, there's no point to hear the sound, but they're chanting end the lockdowns. And they're actually starting to call for the resignation of Xi Jinping. And these are, this is, I'm going to tell you in a moment how consequential this is. This uh, next one, I don't know which one this was. Okay, this is, um, this is at the King's Palace. Uh, next video was at uh, Peking, uh, Beijing University. There's a massive protest at Beijing University. Massive, massive, massive. Um, streets of Beijing still flooded with people. So this is what's happening in China. And why I want to talk about it is this. In China, you know, we look at those protests here in America. We say, well, yeah, you know, they should stand up. The government can't be locking you in buildings. In China, there is no such thing as freedom of speech. They don't have our constitution. They don't have anything like our Bill of Rights. And I, I've looked a little bit at Chinese tra translations into English of some Chinese documents. <clears throat> when communists come to power, they attempt to portray that they are standing up for the people. In fact, they call this the People's Republic of China, and they call the Chinese Communist Party. It's the People's Party. They claim they're representing the people, and yet, of course, they're communists, and it is the most oppressive, ugly, tyrannical, brutal repression of people on this earth today. That's what China is. And China and their government has decided that the way they're going to control COVID outbreaks, any COVID outbreak, is just a massive areas of cities are locked down. On top of that, the areas where they've locked down recently and where several of protests are, are in uh, provinces where it's well known that there's a rising awareness of Western civilization, Western concept of rights of the individual. The last thing a communist leader can tolerate is having people believe they have rights. That people believe they have rights and anything other than what the government says are your rights. So in China, massive, massive uprisings, uh, protests going on. And I want to um, I, I want to play those for you because in our country right now, we have, of course, a, a president, uh, Biden sitting there in the White House, or uh, he who was inaugurated, uh, who has deep and corrupt ties in China. We have Hunter Biden's laptop, which, by the way, as a little aside here, I started reading through uh, the contents, and someone has organized the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. And I've read articles and short, you know, short pieces I haven't read the entire uh, content of the laptop as laid out and organized by um, several people, but one particular um, website has the entire, the entire contents of the uh, laptop uh, created and spelled out. And the reason I'm telling you this is I thought maybe I would do a show sometime um, and try to find out, um, you know, try to relay to you the scope of the evil that's in the Hunter Biden laptop. but. At a very minimum, at a very minimum, what's in that laptop is a lot of evidence linking Hunter Biden to Chinese interests and money going back to his dad, the big guy, the current president, 
and part of the obvious concern is that there are there's so much unknown and so much deeply troubling concern that that our current president Joe Biden has no ability to challenge the Chinese people. The Chinese government has no ability because he's compromised by them. He is beholden to them. I'm going to do a whole show sometime just about the Hunter Biden laptop. I thought I could maybe do it this weekend, Wednesday, but I'm telling you, it's mind-blowing how much is in there. And I want to try to present it in a way that you walk away realizing, oh, now I see what was the depth of what's in his laptop. But back to China. You know, in a world where America has always been the country standing up for freedom, standing up for the people who were repressed, we are always, America was known as the country who would show up at, well, obviously, World War One, World War Two. You know, we have been the people in this world, the country and the people who stand up for the repressed, for the oppressed, for the mistreated, for those who are, who are just treated terribly by their governments. And yet we're watching what's happening in China, literally watching, literally watching in China that the people are protesting. And by the way, the protests in the streets, it's not clear why they're, I don't know why they're doing this, but the protest has become in part, the protesters stand there and they are waving a a white piece of paper. And one commentator said he thought the white piece of paper was supposed to symbolize your vaccine passport or your vaccine status. And they're, they're waving it, just saying, we're done, no vaccine, we're done, no protests, no lockdowns. I mean, no lockdowns, no, va- they're, they're sick of it. And that was a protest, what it was. They're also uh, in various parts in China. There are these uh, cubicles they put up to do a quick, you know, COVID test, a quick, uh, you know, PCP test to see if you're a PCR, test. I don't know how you say it. Anyway, do a quick COVID test. And those little, you know, kind of phone booth shaped things are being torn down by the protesters. The idea that in China, where you have no right to protest government, where people are disappeared all the time, they do a minor protest and they're never seen again. The idea that that is happening, this with those pictures you saw, thousands in the streets all over China protesting the COVID lockdowns, it is symbolic. It is the, uh, you know, kind of pulling back the curtain to see the truth. The Chinese people have had enough. They've had enough. And they're, in fact, they're actually calling for Xi Jinping to resign, which is unheard of. The people in the streets calling for that, unheard of. But what they're, they're trying, they're conveying is, we can't do this anymore. We can't live our lives this way anymore. We're not going to be locked down. And even in China, which represses access to information, you don't have an internet like we have the internet here. You can't get information even though you want it. You're willing to look it up. And you know what you're trying to find. You just can't get it. Even there, people are realizing that around the world, COVID's kind of over. COVID's kind of over, the pandemic is over, as even Biden conceded and others have, and yet they're still used, it's being used by their government as an excuse to keep them submissive, locked down, frightened, and oppressed, and the people have had enough. And a real American government who actually was dedicated to the principles of America, who dedicated to standing up for the freedom, freedom of this world, we'd be taking the side of the protesters in China. We'd be speaking up saying, yeah, this is wrong. Your government cannot do that. We'd be protesting the deaths of those people in a high rise locked in when a fire breaks out and they can't get out. That's what we'd be doing if we were acting like America today, 
but we're not. Our government is not acting like America today because they don't believe in the ideas of America because they're too tied to the Chinese people. And the last thing they're tied to, you know, segues well into my last segment, is that we really have a government today in America more friendly to, amenable to, willing to submit to more of the mindset of what China does than what America used to do. So the, to wrap up that story, a COVID lockdown, uh, people in China have had enough. But I want to turn to what's happening in America now. You know, we've talked in the show today about the Brazilian Communist Supreme Court freezing, taking the, freezing the assets of the political party opposed to their president. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we've had election fraud still, you know, uh, the problem abounding in Arizona, no solutions, no, no real examination of the information permitted. We also have, though, I'm going to turn to now, as I call this, America becoming China. And the reason I want to say that is one way the Chinese Communist Party controls the people is that they always know where you are at all times. They know what your COVID vaccination status is. They know your social credit score. The social credit score system in China preceded COVID. It's been around for a while. This idea that you have an ID, you're, you're a citizen of China, so you have a, a passport, a, you know, um, a, a ranking, um, this, a social credit ranking from the government, and it takes into account you know, paying your bills on time. Did you get a ticket for jaywalking? Uh, did you, all these behavioral things are trying to control. And then you have a social credit score and each individual does. And that social credit score determines your freedom and it determines your opportunities. It determines your life. So if your social credit score is bad because you've done things, the government's counting you as bad, 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 bad. Your kids may not be able to go to the school you want them to go to. You may not get to live in the housing you want to live in. You may be prohibited from traveling on, you know, on airplanes, on public transportation, on trains. And it isn't like these are criminals that the government's having to keep tabs on. This isn't like, well, you know, you're, you're convicted felon, so we're keeping an eye on you. This is people who just in any way have stepped out of line with what the government is telling you have to do, how you have to live. This is what is occurring and has been in China for a while. And so in America, there are many brilliant thinkers, and they are students of Chinese policy, they're aware of how China conducts itself, who are warning that our government is using COVID and your COVID vaccination status, or they're trying to use it to end up in the same place as China, Chinese citizens are with their social credit score. In America, your status as vaccine, uh, you know, qualified and not just qualified, that you have gotten the vaccine you're supposed to, you've gotten the correct boosters, whatever else you're, else you're told to do. And there are people very rightfully talking about what Biden is doing in terms of the future freedom of America. And we talked about pre previously um, at the G20 summit. So it was the November 16th, 2022 G20 Bali Leaders Declaration. And there is a, there is a, a summit, it was Indonesia, in which the leaders of the G20 nations, which include Biden, agreed, I'm finding the exact language, they agreed in the notion, we support continued international dialogue and collaboration on the establishment of trusted global digital health networks. Let me say that again. 
trusted global digital health networks as part of the efforts to strengthen prevention and response to future pandemics, and that should capitalize and build on the success of existing standards and digital COVID-19 certificates. We acknowledge the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods under the framework of the, now it doesn't matter, IHR 2005, to facilitate seamless international travel interoperability and recognizing digital solutions and non-digital solutions, including proof of vaccinations. So the G20 countries that signed on to this, sadly, include the United States of America, and they're building up the idea that, and, and I know we've been over this show before and you're thinking this is old news. I know it's old news, but please stay, stay with me here. They're building up the idea that in America, you should agree that in order for you to, to engage in international travel, to be able to go anywhere, you have to have a correct digital passport that shows your vaccine status, that gets updated every time you get a, a booster or whatever, or, or some new vaccine, and that that is your ticket to freedom. If you don't have that, you can't travel. And it's interesting because as this time came along, this is the G20 summit, which is in November, you know, which was, you know, this month. At the same time, early in November, and I, I didn't find the article fast enough before I got here today, but early in November, there have been travel uh, websites, travel sources online saying, hey, this is great, travel's opening up. Here's a list of, and they were listing in over 100 countries that no longer had any restrictions related to COVID vaccines. You can travel here. You don't have to worry. These countries have dropped their vaccine requirements. They've dropped their vaccine passport system. You're just free to travel. It was the majority of countries. It was hundreds of countries. So the world was trending toward freedom. G20 comes along in the same month. I mean, literally, the articles I'm telling you about, they were from early November and October of this year. Countries finally realizing there's no reason to be requiring these COVID vaccine passports. So they were dropping it. G20 comes along and says, actually, you know what? We're all going to sign on. Everybody's got to do this. And so Biden, whose administration had promised only a few months ago, we would never sign on for COVID vaccine passports as a matter of fact, have signed on for all of this. They have signed on to this. Now, again, you know, there's a, um, there is an, always the argument about, you know, well, they can't make it law in America. Any international treaty doesn't become law in America unless the Senate passes it. But, you know, Obama taught us that, you know, you don't really have to take it through the Senate. You just do it. And then second, which is what he did with the Iran nuclear deal. Um, but also, you can say, well, you know, um, doesn't change me. I'm never going to travel. But it's the president of the United States agreeing with the international globalist movement that the freedom of the American citizens to travel should be limited by having a vaccine passport. And please understand this really important point. If they get to a point of a vaccine passport that says, okay, you know, whatever your vaccine status is and whatever the boosters are or the next vaccine, once they've got you digitized, you know, you are American citizen number, whatever it is, you know, 2374896, or whatever your number is, you have a digital identity. And anything can be added to that. They can say, well, it was originally for COVID vaccines, 
But you know, now we're actually, we're also thinking about this and this and this. It can be for a whole host of reasons. The government can add to or put a little red asterisk next to your name or, or a, a red X next to your name. You know, this was our digital assistant, but now we're keeping track of other things. Turns out, you know, your political affiliation isn't really one we like very much. And so that might hinder your ability to travel. We are entering an era if we don't stand up. We're entering an era if we don't stand up when the government will be controlling your life, your travel, your freedom, and you'll have no way out. This is why people, uh, in fact, there was a great um, webinar put on recently by Reggie Littlejohn and Frank Gaffney and some other people. I'll find that link and put it up on our website where they're trying to explain how exploitative this could become, how easily dangerous it could become in America will become just like China uh, without, without need to have a you know, communist revolution, will be just like China, will be citizens controlled by the government. And I want to throw some other things in about COVID because all this relates to the you know, fear that the government was able to create originally um, over COVID and many people, I would say actually majority of Americans are kind of over it. We're not playing the fear game anymore. But in the, in the beginning, the COVID fear was so rampant that anything the government said, people just did. I'm going to tell you some amazing facts that came out. So remember when they had the truckers protest? The truckers protested in Canada. And it was a truckers convoy because Canada's government had said, you have to have a vaccine passport in order to drive these, these big rig trucks. And the trucks didn't want to do it. They, they, I mean, many of them go back and forth to the U.S. board, over U.S. border and here and border into America, back to Canada. And the, these truck drivers, these Canadian citizens were saying, no, I don't want to. I, I not only do I not want the vaccine, I don't want to play your game with a passport. I'm not doing it. I don't want to have a COVID vaccine passport. I don't want to have a mandated vaccine. And Trudeau, the, you know, goofball looking uh, leader in Canada, president of Canada, had actually put in place because he was, he could not believe the size of the protest, the length of the protest, how effective it was, how when they, the protests finally came to the big cities, uh, the people were behind the protesters. They were, they were back in the truckers. They didn't like the government's overbearing conduct related to COVID vaccines. So Trudeau cracked down on his own citizens and invoked this um, Emergency uh, Powers Act. So he invokes this, never been invoked before never been invoked before, and he invokes this Emergency Powers Act because specifically he can then freeze the assets of not just the truck drivers in the protest, but the citizens who showed up to bring them some hot chocolate, to bring them some food supplies, to bring them blankets. I mean, it was cold, it was winter, and the people of Canada don't like these mandates either, and they were supporting the truckers. And so when Trudeau decided to launch on them, and take their money away, freeze their bank accounts, unheard of. And many of you in America were likely thinking, well, thank God they wouldn't do that here. Turns out in Canada, because it was so unprecedented and so outrageous for Trudeau to do this, that there, there was a commission investigating his power or his exercise of that power. The question before the commission was Trudeau's invoking the Emergency Powers Act, was it justified? Was it justified 
to take to freeze people's assets, and eventually he used force to break up the protest. And they, the question was, was it justified? So in the course of investigating this, asking what in the world drove him to such an extreme reaction, because they actually in Canada, unlike China, in Canada they have you know some semblance of free speech rights. What they uncovered was it the Biden administration, Joe Biden himself, he who occupies the White House, along with Pete Buttigieg, who is the Secretary of Transportation, so related to trucks, Buttigieg and Biden were pushing Trudeau to crack down on this truckers' protest against uh, the related to the vaccine mandates. I just want you to think about that for a minute. What does Biden care? What does Buttigieg care? If in Canada, the truckers want to protest, if they don't like the vaccine mandate in place in Canada, why would Biden pressure Trudeau? Why would Buttigieg? And the answer is, it really, I I hope, and many things I say, it helps you see this. Biden is right with the globalists, the New World Order, the World Economic Forum, the rising communist movement in this world. Biden is right with them. COVID is a tool of repression. COVID policy put in place by the government is a tool. It is a means of bringing the people to submission. It is a means of making clear to the people, you're not in charge of your life. You're not in charge of your freedom. We, the government, we're in charge and we'll let you know how much freedom you have. COVID has been used in the World Economic Forum. Of course, you obviously you talk about the show many times. You know, Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, has endlessly used climate change fear, driving irrational, unjustified climate change fear, to justify his his you know collection of power and the notion we have to give in and give all our power over to the World Economic Forum, the New World Order type folks. And it's the same thing with COVID. COVID and and actually, uh, Klaus Schwab said as much that COVID can be used, COVID can be used to essentially instill in the hearts and minds of people the notion that you really don't have freedom, that you must be frightened, you must wait to be told where you can go, what you can do, where you're allowed to live, whether you can travel, whether you can work, the government controls your life and you let them. COVID has been an, a psychological tool used by the Marxists in this world and their mission to, to push forward this world governance, new world order stuff. COVID has been a tool in their arsenal to take away the belief in the hearts and minds of millions of people that you have any right to freedom at all. And so the answer to the question, why Biden pushed Trudeau, why Pete Buttigieg pushed Trudeau to crack down the truckers is not because they really, really cared about the truckers. It's because it was too close to home in America. It's in the Western Hemisphere. It's our Northern country. It's a, Canada is, you know, in the ballpark of a free country as compared with Venezuela, Cuba, China, North Korea. You know, it's, it's a free country, kind of. It's pretty socialist, but it's a free country. And the idea that people in America who also don't like all of the tyranny spewing out of the Biden administration under the guise of COVID or justified by COVID, that idea that people might watch, Americans might watch what's happening in Canada say, hey, wait a minute, why don't we do that? You know, we don't have to put up with all these COVID mandates. We're going to have a strike. We're going to have a protest. 
This idea, this contagion of the spirit of freedom, this contagion of the spirit of standing up for yourselves, the trucker's convoy represented the Biden team, in this particular case involving also Pete Buttigieg, the Biden team was all the way behind Trudeau cracking down on the trucker's convoy, the freedom convoy, taking their money, freezing their money. This is a wonderful thing it, when you are Biden, when you are Biden and you want to continue to use COVID to bring fear in the hearts and minds of the people to get the people to do exactly what you tell them to do. It was a political, psychological decision by the Biden administration. We cannot have the people of America watching what's happening in Canada and thinking, oh, maybe we should get to protest. Can't have that. I'll tell you something else. Why I say, when I say COVID is being used by the government as a means of repressing the people, bringing us into a spirit of submission, there was a, um, I had um, Dr. Peter McCullough on my show, I can't remember, it was recently, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Dr. Peter McCullough, very brave doctor, world-renowned. He happens to be here in Dallas. And he has a, he also, by the way, has a great substack, which is just called PeterMcCulloughMD.substack. I urge you to go to that, subscribe, become a paying member. It's a great substack. But he has a column out today. I just want to plant this seed with you. His column is about the idea that there is already an ongoing study by one doctor in Egypt, Dr. El-Nari, and another, Dr. Al-Nafal from the NIH, NIH, in which they are documenting and studying how the COVID vaccine, the COVID vaccine, the one that has mRNA, has caused blindness, has caused people to go blind. And, and the government knows this, the CDC knows this. Here's the two sentences. There seems to be no limit on what tissues and organs can be damaged by the COVID-19 vaccination because lipid nanoparticles laced with genetic code from the damaging spike protein are distributed through the body. Bad luck may play a role with disproportionate delivery to a specific area. For example, the eyes. The eyes receive their precious blood supply from the optic artery with no backup or redundancy. Hence, if lip lipid nanoparticles settle along the artery or into the central nerve, taking visual signals to the brain, then inflammation fighting the foreign spike protein will start a process of tissue damage leading to loss of vision. And these are the vaccines that the CDC is pushing for preschoolers and school-age kids who have zero risk, even if they happen to contract COVID, very low risk of contracting it, basically zero risk, statistically zero risk of becoming ill or and definitely of zero risk of dying. And yet damage like this, I mean, this is just one example of the many, many examples that doctors around the world have been raising trying to say, do you see how dangerous these, uh, these mRNA vaccines are? Led to blindness from the COVID vaccine. And this article is linked at our, at our um, website, americacanbetalk.org. I'm about out of time for today. i got to go and do my Why It Matters to You. Um, but I wanted to say we're going to come back again uh, soon and talk more about the data coming out about COVID. Because it's not just about COVID. It's about the COVID vaccines, the mRNA vaccines, the repression of that data, and 
why I want to do that. I don't like to belabor illness, and I'm terribly sorry for anyone who lost a family member or became ill due to getting the vaccines, but I cover the stories because I want you to understand there is no justification in a sane world, in, in a world where the government officials are trying to help people be healthy, there is no justification for the hysterical push for COVID vaccinations engaged in by the Biden administration and Dr. Fauci and many others when you begin to understand the enormous negative deathly consequences flowing from those vaccines. And once you understand the danger of, of serious bodily harm, blindness and death flowing from those vaccines, you really have to go back to the question, what is the motive of the Biden team and others in pushing the vaccines so consistently, relentlessly, hysterically? Why? When COVID is now, as it never, the number has never changed. Over 99% of people will go through COVID and come out just fine. In fact, I was thinking on the way here, I've had COVID, my husband's had COVID. If I think through, I, I'm not even sure I can think of a friend who hasn't, and you get through it. I mean, it's like saying I had a, a flu last year. I'm not diminishing, it's a serious thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, a bioweapon created by China with uh, the help of the NIH. It's a bioweapon, it's not a naturally occurring virus, but it's very survivable. And people were surviving COVID, and yet the vaccine's being pushed and pushed and pushed. Um, and you really got to ask yourself why, given that they know what I just told you uh, about the enormous consequences, including the consequences that are spelled out and, and shown to you in the film Died Suddenly, uh, put out by Stu Peters. I still haven't had the chance to watch the whole video, but I will. I urge you to do that yourself. Stu Peters. S-T-E-W, Peters, uh, did the, the documentary, Died Suddenly. you got to watch it and grasp the numbers and the, the, the horrible human cost of inflicting these vaccines and the rise in sudden deaths in, of people otherwise healthy age, healthy background. I mean, people, this is a sinister, sinister thing. And at the very least, in the United States of America... All over the world, it should be true. But the United States of America, there should be 100% freedom based on our founding ideas for the American people to reject all of this garbage, all of the vaccines and whoever makes them and who's ever improved them, whoever tests them. The right of the people to say no to the vaccines is a fundamental, basic, God-given right. And the American people must insist that our government honor that. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today on um, Maricopa to certify. Uh, the Board of Arizona's largest county has descended uh, to unspeakable arrogance, abject dishonesty. No idea how many Arizonans were disenfranchised by voting machines on November 8th, Election Day. No acknowledgement of screaming conflict of interest and having Katie Hobbs the alleged governor-elect in charge of her own election integrity. No possible honest path to certifying the results of the November 8th election, and the people know it. But the Board of Supervisors will probably do it anyway. Cochise County, Arizona will not certify for at least a week until more questions are answered. Arizona as a whole can't be certified until all counties have certified, so outcomes still in doubt. Corrupt mega counties in critical states engineered by Soros, is a massive problem for the USA. The world is watching. America is watching. 
And that is important for truth. The American people are being pushed to the breaking point in the forced surrender of their right to self-government. And the Brazilian communist models election fraud solutions. Avowed communist on Brazilian Supreme Court outlines his remedy for election fraud claims. Declare all complaints to be in bad faith. Find the party that complains, the liberal party, Bolsonaro's, and freeze their assets. This is how communists roll. Shut everybody down who won't agree with you. Ordinary people around the world are waking up to the reality of rigged elections. The magnitude of fraud has been too obvious, too brazen. Ruling class responses, like the Brazilian communists, ugly and defiant of the people. Supposed election winner in Brazil is openly allied with the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping. Ruling class seems confident they can outlast and outmaneuver the ignorant masses, but the masses are not ignorant. They have truth on their side, and they are growing restless and angry at revolutionary levels, tumultuous times ahead around the world. And on protests over COVID tyranny in China, notoriously compliant Chinese people have had enough of draconian lockdowns. 44 people died in a high-rise fire left unattended, meaning the people couldn't get out and the fire department couldn't get in because of the COVID lockdown. Protests springing up all over the country, barriers and blockades being overrun. CCP habitually resorts to force to put down the protests, but how much force is enough for a nationwide protest? Is modification or moderation of lockdown policy possible? This is a test of Xi Jinping's ruler for life authority. And finally, America becoming China. Fauci's last White House appearance included warnings of more lockdowns. I forgot to tell you that. He said more lockdowns might be needed. Urged the taking of more boosters. Most people saying no thanks. Inquiry of Trudeau in Canada shows Biden and Buttigieg urging the shutdown of the truckers' convoys. The Biden administration joined the G20 push for vaccination passports. Biden administration continues to push vaccination despite enormous evidences of injuries and death. International doctors Peter McCullough, international doctors and Peter McCullough now point to vaccine links to onset of blindness. COVID lockdowns have been by far the excuse me have been the most far-reaching global assault on freedom in modern history. People around the world are waking up. Censorship has not been successful. The World Health Organization, CDC, Center for Disease Control, FDA, Food and Drug Administration, Big Pharma have lost any pretense to moral authority, tumultuous times ahead before any trust can be restored. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do the show, America Can We Talk, to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you